Thank you for joining us here at Second Baptist Church. Today you will be hearing one of our members teach from the Explore the Bible curriculum. The Explore the Bible curriculum is provided by Lifeway and is a curriculum that we use in our Sunday school and Bible study groups at the church. If you are able, we would love to have you join us in one of our groups. Our church meets at 301 Tomberlin Road, and more information can be found at secondbaptistwaycross.com. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me this morning. Um, today, we're, we're again talking um, from the book of Luke about the things that happened just before uh, Jesus was crucified. And so, um, the topic for today is going to be all about the Lord's Supper. And this is one of the what we call the ordinances of the church. And so it's good, even though we're all very familiar with these verses, it's good to um, study them over from time to time and, and look at each part and to remember um, what the Lord's Supper is all about. And it works out well because I think our church is about to observe the Lord's Supper soon. I, I can't remember the date. But soon we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. And so this is good for us to have the study right at this time. <clears throat> so we're, we're going to look in um, Luke chapter 22. And our, our lesson starts on, in verse 7. But I'm going to talk just a little bit about the beginning of that chapter. Um, it says the Feast of Unleavened Bread... <clears throat> which is called the Passover, was approaching. That's in verse 1. And, um, of course, the Passover is a reference back to the time that the angel of death passed over the homes of the Israelites when um, they were still slaves in Egypt. And you'll remember that story with Moses and how they you know, all the plagues, and then the final day, uh, they they sacrificed or, or uh, killed a lamb, put the blood over the doorpost of their house, and they were protected from the angel of death that passed over Egypt and killed all the firstborn. And, and then the Israelites were able to leave and um, escape from their captivity down there. And so, then every year they have this Feast of the Unleavened Bread or Feast of the Passover. The unleavened bread being uh, that they they cooked their bread without yeast at that time uh, because they were going to rapidly eat this Passover meal or this meal and then flee um, from Egypt. And so they, you know, the baking of bread, which um, I've done lots of times, and some a lot of you have also, you know, you've got to let that yeast rise, and it takes time, and then, you know, the baking of it and everything. So the unleavened bread, then, is more like a flatbread, like a, like a um, tortilla or a pita bread. Pita bread really is the example of the unleavened bread and so 
so it was called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread because they would always eat the unleavened bread at that time. And um, it says the chief priests and scribes were seeking how they could put him to death uh, and figuring out, you know, their, their scheme. And then it says Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve, and he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. They were glad and agreed to give him money, so he consented and began seeking a good opportunity to betray them, betray him to them apart from the crowd. Okay, so this is before the Lord's Supper happened. Uh, or the Passover meal, Judas now has made his decision to betray Jesus. And it says Satan entered into Judas. And, you know, what we have to um, remember, there's a couple of things, you know, that we have to remember, is that the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit lives within a person, then Satan cannot enter into that person. Um, so, obviously, the Holy Spirit was not living within Judas. And, um, actually, the Holy Spirit was not living within the rest of the disciples at this time um, because Jesus was with them in person. So it, you know, the spirit of God is God, right? Jesus was God incarnate. And then God is God. This is the Trinity. So it, you know, that's, that's the reason that the Holy Spirit had not come yet. Of course, on the day of Pentecost, that's when the Holy Spirit came and indwelled um, the followers. And so Judas then, we don't know his motivation for being, um, having, you know, been one of the disciples. He was chosen by Jesus. You know, I'm sure Jesus knew from the beginning uh, what Judas's role may be. Um, he could see that what that would be. But Judas may not, you know, may not have known. Judas might have just thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to get in there with the disciples and, you know, there might be money involved or whatever, you know. So, um, we, we don't know all the thought process of Judas, except that now he has, Satan has entered into him and convinced him to betray Jesus and he begins to look for an opportunity to do so. And so that's happened, and then we're going to start on what our lesson talks about. Um, so it says in verse 7, Then came the first day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now, um, the another thing about yeast is at times in the Bible, it, it mentions in our book that it was, um, it is mentioned in a way of avoid the yeast of the Pharisees, you know, like an in infectious thing that's going to spread, um, 
that's not good. You know, it's it's referred to in that way. But of course, it, there's nothing bad about yeast. It's not that that the Bible is speaking against yeast. It's using the example of yeast, how it how it spreads throughout the bread and it it causes things to happen and you know you could you could say okay the yeast of the gospel might spread um you know it would be um just as well to refer to it that way and so there's nothing inherently bad about yeast but this was the first day of the unleavened bread so on this day the lamb had to be sacrificed and this is significant because Jesus then became the sacrificial lamb for our sins. And, you know, the Passover took on a new meaning then uh, for Christians after this. Um, they would have still celebrated it probably at the same time, you know, in those early days. But, but it, it took on a new meaning. Uh, as Jesus had been the sacrifice then for sin. And so, um, let's go on then to verse 8. Jesus, uh, and Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. And they said, <clears throat> excuse me, they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And so, he sent Peter and John to go and prepare the meal. Now, you know, they were from out of town uh, here in Jerusalem at this time. Um, they all, you know, were hometown Capernaum and different places like that. And so, so they would have had to find a place that they would go and celebrate the Passover together as out-of-towners. And so that means... You know, finding a, a banquet room or some place to join in with another family or whatever, uh, whatever was available, you know, at that time. And so, you know, Peter and John often, along with James, were chosen by Jesus to be involved in special tasks or to be involved in a special time like the Transfiguration, you know, and things like that. So he sends Peter and John and they ask him, you know, where should we prepare it or where should we go and then in let's read verses 10 to 13 and he said to them when you have entered the city a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water follow him into the house that he enters and you shall say to the owner of the house the teacher says to you where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, do I think that Peter and John, um, you know, killed the lamb and cooked the lamb? No, not, I don't think so. You know, I think that, this was like a a place where they could have that done, you know, for them and they could get everything ready for the number of people that were coming and arranged and 
the food, you know, telling them this is what we want. Um, the unleavened bread, you know, the lamb and whatever other things might have been eaten along with the Passover meal. And so um, they went and, and they prepared. Now, Jesus knew already exactly where it was going to happen and all of that, you know. Our book says, well, did he know the person ahead of time? And that's how he had arranged it somehow. You know, I don't think so. I think Jesus just knew uh, that this this is the way that it will happen. You'll go. You'll see this guy carrying the water pitcher. Um, it says in the book that men normally didn't carry water. It was usually a woman's job. Maybe. You know, maybe so. But this was obviously a servant carrying a water pitcher. Follow him and to the place and then tell the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, where's the guest room? So maybe Jesus knew that this owner of this house that had the upper room was someone who had been coming and had been listening and hearing the teachings that Jesus had been doing daily in the temple during this time. Because Jesus knows all of us very well and he would know the heart of this person. And so, you know, th that's the way I see it. That he would have not necessarily known the person, but he knew the person, if that makes sense. And so, it was an upper room. We've always heard of the upper room. You know, it was an upper room. In other words, it was up some stairs. Now, the stairs were likely on the outside of the building. This was kind of the construction, the way that they might have done it back then. You know, that you might have walked up outside and gone in to an upper room. Um, I mean, it could have been inside, but, you know, probably not as far as the way that they construct things over there. And so, so when Peter and John go into the town then, they see the guy, follow him, everything just as Jesus had said and then um we'll read verses 14 to 16 when the hour had come he reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them i have earnestly desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer for i say to you i shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So, you know, we talked before about the reclining at the table and what that might mean, uh, whether they were, you know, leaning, uh, more leaned, laid out or not, you know, we can't speculate exactly how they reclined, but they re were reclining at the table. And it says the apostles with him. And so this makes a distinction that, you know, it was the 12. This was a, he had, he had gone now to this small group of these believers that, um, or disciples, you know, that were following. Because there was a very much larger group that was also following him. But at this time then, you know, it's this inner 12. And 
He said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Again, he's telling them, I'm going to suffer. He knew all that was coming. Um, he's, he's told that, you know, several times now. And he said, I earnestly desired, in other words, um, desire upon desire or fervently desired is another translation of that. To eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And we don't know all of the things that were said during that Passover meal. If you read all the Gospels together, you know, you may see uh, other comments that were made and things, you know, that happened during that meal. Um, but Jesus wanted to spend that time with them. And one of the things that he was doing was establishing um a new ordinance for them to follow or an ordinance that would be an ordinance of the church in the future he was building his church you know and and the kingdom of god through all of this process now is coming in um and being built and put together and so um let's go on now to the next bit verses 17 and 18 and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. So, you know, there's a couple of interpretations there. Did he mean he would not uh, drink of the fruit of the vine until after his resurrection or did he mean he would not drink of it until he returns you know the second coming and you know there are different thoughts about that but he he took this cup and he said you know i'm not going to drink of it you you share this among yourselves uh because i'm not going to drink of it again until the kingdom of god comes and as I said, the kingdom of God was in the process of coming even, even then. You know, it was being set up. And so, he was letting them know that it was about to happen. And, you know, I, I still think that they probably still, even though he said right here, I'm going to suffer. They probably still had in mind, you know, some of them, that somehow... He's going to be victorious through this, and now he's going to be the king. You know, they they just, earthly king probably was still in their heads. And, you know, they may have envisioned, okay, soon he's going, the kingdom is going to be here. And then, you know, um, you can imagine that our human thought process, that would be the way it is. And so in verse 19, it says, And when he had taken some bread... And got given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now he's setting the ordinance in place. And he's taken some bread and he gave thanks for it. He broke it and he gave it to them and said, You know, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
So, you know, when we do the Lord's Supper in our church, we have the bread and the and the juice, you know, Baptists, we have the juice. Some churches have wine, actual wine, but we have juice. And, you know, we forget that at this Passover meal, it was a meal. They had the lamb. They ate, you know, other things along with it. And so, you know, I, I guess we, we sometimes think, okay, the Lord's Supper is the bread and the juice. You know, it's only that. But really, this was the whole meal that they had eaten. But at the end of the meal then, he does this. And so he took, he took the bread, he broke it, and gave it to them. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he's saying, in the future, you'll be doing this. You'll be breaking this bread to remember my body that was broken for you. Um or that was given for you, it says in my version. Okay, and so, you know, he'd already taken up the cup at the beginning of this and said, you know, uh, share this among yourselves. There, you know, there were, that was not the time then that he, that he put the ordinance into place. You know, there was more than one time that he took up the cup. And this, and so in verse 20, um, it says, and in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Okay, so now he's deliberately, you know, taking the cup and he's going to pass it around, you know, to them. And, and he's saying, this is a new covenant in my blood. So he's establishing something, a new agreement between them a new you know permanent covenant um in the sacrifice that he's about to make and we're so thankful even to today that that happened aren't we because we would all be lost without this new covenant that jesus established um it says in, uh, let me be sure that I read that, in the, in the student book, it says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Um, my version says, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So that's a little different, but uh, the idea is, of it is the same that his blood would be spilled you know for them and for their sins and they really i don't think at that time knew the full impact of what all this meant except that he was you know showing them that hey you're going to do this in remembrance of me and then you know on the on the other side of it then they would have thought back about this occasion when he did this and they would have remembered, okay, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we should be doing that in remembrance of him. And so, you know, it, it is important for us as we also observe the, the juice and the bread in remembrance of Jesus that we think about, you know, his sacrifice for us the sacrifice that he knew was coming 
no one else really did, and um, that he did it for us because both of these times where he did the, the bread and the, the cup, he said, for you, I'm doing this for you. And so it's, um, it's something for us to always be reminded of. And I appreciate you being with me today, and I'll see you next time.